0: So this is number seven, running your race to win it. So turning you would with your Bible to Matthew chapter five, Matthew five, running your race to win it. We said that if we're going to be in a race, doggone, let's win that thing. Let's uh, come out first or at least finish, at least finish chapter five. For verily I say unto you till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Of course, Jesus was that fulfillment. Now here it is, verse 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty serious, isn't it? But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Y'all, we're on, we're on the track. We're, we're, we're being trained. We're being filled up so we can teach this word wherever we go. In chapter 20, if you would slip over to chapter 20, I wanted you to notice there great in the kingdom and least in the kingdom. Y'all know the axiom in the kingdom is the way up is down. Can we say it together? The way up is down. Amen. Chapter 20, verse 26. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. The TEV is a little clearer than that. It says, if, any, if one of you wants to be great, he must be the servant of the rest. If one of you wants to be great, he must be the servant of the rest. If one of us wants to be great, And we should shine bright for the Lord. He must be the servant of the rest. So there we have it. It just straightens us up every once in a while. There's a lot of, uh, uh, politically speaking, and that's kind of where our nation is right now, there's a lot of uh, uh, jockeying for position, as it were, to be great. We see that in our... Just a lot of jockeying. Always has been. Nothing new. But it's per- pretty overt now. It's pretty out there. It used to be more subtle and behind the scenes and working deals. But now they're just going on broadcast and just saying, I want to run the whole thing and uh, on both sides. So turn with me to First Peter chapter 5. We have to keep ourselves out of competition and comparison. That's two great temptations to the Christian is competition. That I need to compete with somebody or to compare myself to somebody, because we're wonderfully and fearfully made, and the Lord is well pleased with how we turned out now it's up to us to you know to finish it out He gave us the the body, the soul, the personality, and the spirit, so it's ours to um, uh, not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that's what we're doing. We're taking what He gave us and we're doing what He said to do with it. But I have just been fascinated with this Scripture for years, but especially now, this week. And that's why we went back to it. It's in it's in verse uh, 5. In 1 Peter 5, verse 5, Likewise younger. So the likewise there is, is pointing up to there, but of how to be humble. And likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. Now here it is. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. I like that part, don't you all? casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So I want to look at this passage here. Let's just look at one little verse, section of verses here tonight mostly and just squeeze something out of that. I look in verse 5 and I, I noticed there, the word I noticed was be clothed with humility. You know, uh, your personality is not a clothing, you, but humility is something that obviously we can put on. Or take off. You can have a season of of humility, and then a another season of whatever that is. But the word uh, "clothed" there means to gird, or to the or the act of regularly to put something on, versus putting something in. So it's kind of temporal. You can you can choose. It's a choosing to be humble. It's an act of our will, if you would. To be clothed, clothed with humility, clothed with humility. He said, don't go out without your humility. Wear it all day long. And uh, he said there, the reason you want to be clothed with humility is because God giveth grace to the humble. In the last part of that verse, he gives grace to the humble. Grace. Y'all, grace. We don't study grace much, but you just got to know it's God's extra slice of pie. It's the over the top. It's the way where there was no way. It's abundance when there's lack everywhere. It's a miracle when there's nobody getting miracles. Grace is everything good about God, and He shares it with us. Uh, Another word for it is anointing. Uh, Gifts is another word for it. It's God's power into us that makes us different. And it says there that if you'll be clothed with humility, He'll give grace to the humble. So I'm going to straighten up a few things and get myself humble. Uh, The word grace there means an act of graciousness. One definition is graciousness. So He gives graciousness to the humble. It's another word, a definition was benefit. Another one is favor. He gives favor to the humble. Favor is when you go in there and he Teflons it. It's like it it wasn't going to go, it wasn't going to slide, it wasn't going to move. And all of a sudden, you're off to the races. The word also means gift. He gives gifts to the humble. The word is grace It and joy. He gives joy to the humble. Yay for that. In a very sober world. Uh, the word also, in other senses, says liberality. He gives liberality the humble. And if you'd like to be generous, and I'm, that's one of my projects, my life projects, is to, is to re- be generous. I was, as almost all of us were, were raised in just a moderation. And uh, doing all we can, and uh, can all we got. But uh, I, it's liberality. I want that to be the hallmark in my life is that that he 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 was this and he was that and we could barely take it but he was liberal. <laughs> he was generous. And the last one means pleasure. He gives pleasure to the humble. Now how about that? Since we're not to get our pleasure from the world, does that mean pleasure is evil? No, he gives he gives to the humble, he gives pleasure, uh contentment, joy. So uh, verse 5 says that we are clothed with humility, so that means that uh, we choose it. It's willed. I will to be humble. I will to be humble. So that means, I guess that means that in the heat of a moment, we have a choice. Whether it be puffed up and prideful and arrogant and uh, haughty or whatever, or to just put it all off, get past the emotions get past our experience, get past our personality, and just humble ourselves, be clothed with humility. It's a great attribute, don't you think? Anything where He says that He will uh, give grace to you is a great path in to something wonderful. Uh, Along this line, uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You You can put your finger there or however you do it. But God likes... Let me say this. God likes this humbling or this purposing in our heart. It's something you purpose to do. Humble yourself. He said, be clothed with humility. So that means I purpose to do it. I intend to do it. I I stop what was and I go there. Because when somebody messes with you and hurts you or does it again, just does it again. You want to fix it. Y'all, we just want to fix it. We want to end this because we've been patient with it and we've put up with it and we've told you what we think and what we want and here you are again and we want to fix it. And yet we have a choice to do it. So God likes this purposing. He likes this purposing. You, just, you think God likes things better than others? Uh, the Old Testament said there's seven things He hates. So there's, there's a naughty list and there's a nice list and He likes this purposing. And I, the Scripture that I have for that is in uh chapter 9 verse 7. look at this man every man according as he purposeth in his heart so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity and here it is for god loveth well that's a strong word concerning money god loveth the cheerful giver he loveth i don't even know what all that means in light of us all being born again and children of god and uh, all of us his favorite and yet, he says here that if you'll purpose, you, you, you get purpose filled. I purpose in my heart to give cheerfully, to give abundantly, to give past my situation, past my soul, to purpose, like humility, where you've got a hundred reasons to blow it up and you just don't. You just humble yourself and just walk on by. He likes this purposing. The Amplified says he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart whose heart, is in his giving, whose heart, his purpose is in his giving. God likes that. Would you all agree that the word leans that way, that God likes the humble and he likes the generous man that's... Uh, Able to do it. The, uh, verse 8. Yeah, here's verse 8. And God is able to this cheerful giver. You say, well, what is love? Love gives. Lust takes, love gives. So God says, I love this giver. I love this purposeful per, this person. And, and God is able. To, he said, what am I going to do with him? And God is able to make all grace. There it is, grace. He gives grace to the humble. He's able to make all grace abound towards you. So there's a steady flow every day, every way, because we're born again, we're children of God. But he said, if you get purposeful and deliberate and conscious that, he, that he's going to make all grace, I don't know how he does that. But he does. That ye, what does grace, what does uh, having all uh, what does grace abounding look like? He said, for instance, it's always having all sufficiency in all things and abounding, abounding to every single work. He likes the purposeful person. It takes faith. You, you can't just walk into it with your emotions, your personality, your situation, your, remem- your memory or your experience. You've got to purpose this stuff. You've got to make decisions in the secret place about how you're going to come out and how you're going to be when you come out. Because Jesus said in the world you'll have tribulation. Uh, He was saying you'll have temptation not to be purposeful. Um, uh, And God is able, the Amplified, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Oh, that's the same verse. Having all sufficiency. That's the word I was looking for. All sufficiency. Now what if you could live your life like a rich person, and I assume a rich person has a credit card that's got a gazillion dollar limit, and that somebody else is paying that every month. Or maybe you're paying it, but you got somebody paying it for you. And it's limitless. If you see it, if you want it, if you want to give it, you just do it. And there's no recourse about the downside of that. But I dare say all of us know exactly what we're doing when we go in and buy something. And how much it is. I mean, I I hope we're not, but we probably are very cognizant of that. It's prudent. It's stewardship. But what if you had that where there was all sufficiency? Everything was just paid in advance. Wherever you went, whatever you did, there would be sufficiency. Now, I want to taste that before I leave. I do. And not arrogantly and not uh, selfishly. I don't want to spend it on me. Uh, but I do want to have that liberality because he said, uh, and I'm, in, I'm determining just like you to be a purposeful giver, a cheerful giver that's prompt in my giving, that when he nudges me and says, let's do it, I'm in. I'm not even like, oh, God, arguing or lamenting, but saying, yay, this seed's blessed. This seed's going in a good place and I'm all in. So ye having all sufficiency In all things may abound to every what work good Good work well that's what we're all doing good works I don't have anything that I you know anymore I don't have anything that says I'm lusting for this and I want to you know live in that or whatever I mean I don't guess anybody's ever completely clean of that but we're moving there aren't we we are it's like that doesn't have a hold on me anymore That used to be it. When you're young, you think, i got a thousand years to live, and I'll do it. Well, come find out you didn't have a thousand years. And so you have to get to this place where you're satisfied. I want to read that again. And God is able. And so able means the grace. He's able because of the grace. In other words, He he gives grace to the humble. And uh, uh, because God loves a cheerful giver, God is able to make all grace abound toward us. Well, he's able. So, what's the trigger? What God? What? What you're able? What makes you do it? You're just able, but what makes me the recipient? Well, back there in Second Peter says, "Humble yourself. Humble yourself, because He gives grace to the humble." And here it says that He uh, makes all grace abound towards you when you're a cheerful giver, a purposeful giver a deliberate giver, a conscious giver, one that's uh, uh, purposed in his heart, not just like, let's see what I got in my purse. Let's, let's just see what we got or, you know, or, would you run up the account real quick and see how much we got or whatever, but purposeful. In other words, you planned it before you came or you planned it before you invested in somebody, a Christmas gift or a, a something like that, something you did that was over the top, not ordinary, and you, you had a purposeful plan i i we spent our christmas very purposefully this year really just n- they'll never know but we worked on every gift and what it would mean and what it how it would play in that the only thing that that I, there's a little one time i told eric i said if you mess with me son i was kidding i said i'm going to send andrew a rock tumbler rock tumblers are loud as you know And uh, he said, well, he'll never get it. And I said, well, I'll write him, and I'll tell him, where's your rock tumbler? But everything else I did, we did send him a rock tumbler, by the way. (laughs) But uh, everything else, we were very deliberate. Well, I was deliberate about that, actually. So my point is not to talk about my Christmas, but to say we can express that in many ways, and some of them aren't even big. It's not like Christmas. You can just... uh, you know, buy someone's lunch. You're both sitting down and you do that. Well, or, or whatever. You know how to do that. So my question tonight, and I always have one, is how can we imagine managing our life without the grace of God? How, how can you even go there? I, I can't even go there because we've been born again so long. How you would manage or cope or survive without the grace of God? In other words, you are a regular folk. You were just someone that was just raised up by the neck, the hair of your head and, and just thrown out there. And How could you imagine to manage your life without the grace of God? Well, if we couldn't, and I can't, then we should imagine how we could get more grace into our life. And, that, and that's the second thing. How can you fail in life? How could I fail? How could you fail in your life if you had God's grace? And I read those things. His graciousness, his benefit, his favor, his joy, his gift, his liberality, his pleasure. How can we fail with that? Because nobody else has got that. It's from the grace of God. People can contrive it for a season, but it's all, it's all out of the soul. But we, it, we have a bubbling up that says, ah, that's not even hard. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. So uh, this pride... Would that be the opposite of grace? Uh, uh, excuse me, humility would be pride. Other words, arrogance and stuff. This pride, then, if it keeps us from having this grace given to us, then this pride is a strangler. Can y'all see? It's it's rat poison. It's it's uh, it's uh, it's COVID 99 or something. <laughs> it's it's worse. It's It's a a limitation to not have the grace of God. I mean, we can do it, and it's not tangible, so you can't call the bank and say, well, how much grace do I have in my account? It's not that, but so powerful. It's also a hard thing. I I wrote down that pride is a hard thing, and it's so subtle, and we have to be purposeful about it. Verse 6, let's go back to 2 Peter. I just wanted to go there so we could talk about purposeful heart. Verse 6, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So there's a particular avenue there, under the mighty hand of God. Not a self-humility, not a, a humility by our definition, but under the mighty hand of God. Why? What will happen? That he may exalt you in due season. Now that's powerful, y'all. The grace of God will exalt you instead of you exalting you. We all want to have the advantage. It's not wrong to say, I want my bills paid, I want my body uh, healed, I want my family to work out, I want a a job that's not uh, driving me up the wall. We want to be exalted. But self-exaltation involves comparison and competition. And it just doesn't play out well, does it? The way up is down. So, uh, the New Living says, here's what the New Living said in verse 6. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time He will lift you up in honor. Well, yay. So what I'm saying is there's lots of benefits to humbling yourself, to being clothed with humility. In Acts chapter 4, would you turn to Acts chapter 4? We're, we're winding her down here. I heard that, Lynn. <laughs> oh, i send you to the principal's office. Chapter 4, verse 32. Things are rocking in chapter 4 of Acts. And it says, "...in the multitude of them," verse 32, "...that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own." Look there, but they had all things common. And with great power, that could be grace, a form of it, dunamis, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And say this with me, and great grace was upon them all. It's the only time in the, in the word where great grace is used in the King James. That's all I looked up. Great grace was given to them all. The uh, the new living says God's great blessing was upon them all. So to be successful in your life, and we all want to be successful because happiness is attached to success. You can't be a failure and say, "But I'm happy failing." So success is 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 tied to humility, or it's tied to happiness, and uh, we want to be successful in our race, our course. Our journey. We want to be successful. Whatever it is, if it's Little Toe race or if it's uh Albert Einstein brain power race. We all want to be successful in our race. But I'll tell you, uh, uh well, verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. And it says they they sold them and laid them down, verse 35. They laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. This is Acts. This is the Bible. This is the pattern. This is the early church. This is who we are working toward. It's, it's, it's the example. Um, but this verse 6, I, I'm going to back to First Peter 5. Uh, excuse me, Second Peter 5. This verse, uh, let's see, verse 6. Says, casting uh, excuse, me, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Now, let me just tell you, we'll quit. Religion loves this verse because they leave off the second part. They love to wham us with humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Can you imagine how many messages have been whipped onto people by saying, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God? And, of course, there's punishment, there's judgment attached to the way they say it. There's uh, all kinds of definitions of the mighty hand of God and then what it means to humble yourself. And a lot of those things are doormat or worm or nobody from nowhere going nowhere. And they love this verse, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. But they don't like this second part of the verse, that he may exalt you in due season. People in church, religion, I should say, not church, religion loves for everybody to be humble in their definition. But religion does not like the exalted Christian. Now think on that for a minute. They don't like, your, your kin kinfolks, there's a high likelihood that even though you're prospering and blessing, and because of that you're helping them and available to them, Uh, if they just were in church and you were somebody else, if somebody told them, well, this is what Johnny and Jane do, and it was exactly what you do, they'd say, well, that's not right, because they don't like the exalted. But if you humble yourself, the way up is down. You are going to be exalted. If you ever act like you have authority, religion doesn't like it. I was telling someone uh, the other day, they, they called to see if we were in the tornado at... Fultondale they just know we're in Alabama that's all they know is we're in Alabama I said no we just took that scripture from Jesus in the middle of the lake and the storm coming up and told it to go up go around but it wasn't coming here Mm. (laughs) I mean it's just it's kind of fun but You got you could not do it and I don't do it mean, but I just give a testimony. This is what we did and this is what we had. Kind of threw Fultondale under the bus right there. Hallelujah. (laughs) Now, here's what Bill Johnson, I I found this in one of his books on uh, something impossible. It says to uh, religion. Excuse me. Bill Johnson says we often celebrate the ones who humble themselves under the mighty hand of God, but despise the ones he exalts. Well, go ahead and be despised anyway. Go ahead and take it. If we were to let the Bible interpret the Bible, which is is the way we have to do it, then we could look back at verse 6 and and, uh, and say, Humble yourselves that He may exalt you. Humble yourselves that He may exalt you. And then verse 7, Casting all your care. We have to interpret what humble yourselves means by the Bible. And in verse 7, he tells us what humble yourself means. No doormat, no worms. Casting all your care upon Him. I can do that. Y'all, I can do that. I don't always do that. And, I, and sometimes it's in a degree or a measure. But he said, the way you humble yourself in order for God to exalt you is to cast your care upon the Lord... For he careth for you. What what's involved in that? Well, faith's involved. Faith involved in caring, casting your care upon the Lord, saying, You got this. Now I'm speaking to the mountain, and this is how it is, and I'm telling this to go here and to do that. Versus just like what will be will be. And I hope it doesn't hit me too bad. And that's what the world thinks. That's what religion says. So uh I wrote down here, I'm always writing something down that I probably shouldn't say, but. Holding care. Could we say that, what holding care really is? It's pride. That's what this verse says. The way you humble, your, you humble yourself by casting your care. So if you don't humble yourself, it's pride and because you didn't cast your care. You're worried, you're fretful, you're anxious, you're, you're expecting the worst, you're expecting bad, you're amazed that it didn't wipe you out, but there's always tomorrow, and maybe it'll get a better chance at you then. Uh, The New Living says, give all your worries and cares to God because he cares for you. The Amplified says, casting, uh, you know, Amplified, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and and, and he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. So we've got to do it. This year's going to have lots of cares in it. Lots of things to be anxious about. If you just if you just give it a side eye and just look over into that realm just for a second, your heart could be troubled. You could get anxious. You could wonder. The other day they were talking about what, what in this time, I heard this, in this time, should you have cash or should you have checking or should you have gold? You know, and all those things. Well, I... I thought, oh, I need a little cash, but I need a little checking, but I'm not getting any gold. <laughs> but that's just, but it made me think it. It made me go through a choosing of how to escape the coming and impending trouble. And I had to cash down and said, I have what I have. And unless he tells me which way to go, which he sure could and he sure would. Listen to this in Philippians 4, talking about casting your care. In verse 11 it says, not that I speak in respect of want. Remember Paul talking to the church at Philippi. He said, for I have learned in whatever state I am, therefore to be content, to be content, to be content. So he's humbled himself and he's cast his care upon the Lord. He said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I'm instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. How many of us could say we've already suffered need but we're also experiencing some abounding now. We're, we're, we're tasting the world to come. And then he said, uh, uh, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. So, what, what are the three things he said he could do? He said, He can be abased and be content. He can be hungry and be content. He can suffer need and be content. The all things through Christ strengthens me. I'm able to keep myself humble and anxious and fear-free during all of us, uh, all of that. Verse 18 says, I am full. I like this. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. So this scripture's got a place here, uh, verse 19. Uh, I received from you the things which were sent, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Then he said, because you sent to me, I've been hungry, I've been having need, I've been, I've been in troubles, but I was content anyway. But he said, because you sent to me, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's where that scripture comes. That's the context of it. And uh, we can appropriate it in many ways. But let me just tell you, and we'll quit here. Your humility attracts great grace. It's worthy of our attention. It's worthy of our purposeful heart. It's worthy of us adjusting and saying, well, this is just the way I am. I've always been this way. Well, we could all say that, and it wouldn't be pretty. And I could outdo you in some areas, and you could, you could overwhelm me with your story, but it's just not, it's not relevant. I got to change. We all got to change. We're changing. And when I tell you I got to change, it doesn't mean that I'm some slug over there in the corner that I'm just terrible at it. I just mean there's always an adjustment. There's always an increase. There's always a a pressing for the mark of the high calling. And that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm endeavoring to be on it more. And I'm, you know, as we minister here, we kind of share that journey, believing that you are too. Believing that we're all in this the same and we want to be Jesus pleasers and we want to finish our course. What else is there? What else is there? Because we've already had our kids and... I mean, there's grand sugars forever, but, uh, and yay for them. But we're happy. We're blessed. And uh, the devil wants to take that from you. One way he's going to try to do is to puff you up because you'll be successful. As you humble yourself, you'll be successful. It'll work. You'll be on top. The way up is down, but you're going up. And so it'd be real easy to go to Deuteronomy and say, but I said... It was by my hand I gained this wealth. Deuteronomy 8. And so we got to, it said, don't do that. Stay humble. So we do. Lord, we thank you right now for the great grace that's upon our lives. And we thank you, Lord. We aspire to do everything you've called us to do, but very little, if any more. And we thank you, Lord, for us being a bright light in a dark world and being calm in an anxious and concerned world and being full and overflowing, abundant in a world of shortage and lack and need. We thank you, Lord, for being healers to the sick and the infirm. Lord, I thank you for Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. And as he is, we say, because you said, so are we in this world. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Praise God.